You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. I'm going to be continuing our series uh, that Tom kicked us off with, looking at what it means to be after God's heart, working through 1 Samuel, and um, trying to get under the skin, really, of the message of uh, of Samuel, I think Tom did an outstanding job uh, introducing the series, looking at uh, this narrative with Hannah and uh, her barrenness, her burden, her brokenness, and then ultimately her blessing as she pressed into God in the middle of her own personal storm. And uh, you know, we can see how this narrative shows how God can move us from barrenness to blessedness. And you have to be impressed with Hannah. She's an impressive lady. She faced disappointment with her husband, although we know her husband loved her. He took a second wife because she wasn't able to provide children for him. We have other solutions to that these days, all sorts of medical tests and procedures. In those days, if your wife wasn't able to give you a baby, you just took another wife and uh, hoped that she would do that. And so she was disappointed, I guess. You know, God had said, look, no, just only take one wife, but that was a cultural practice in their day. She faced despair in her family. She was taunted by her uber-fruitful fellow wife, always rubbing her face in it, that she was the one having the babies and she was not. And she faced misunderstanding from her religious leaders when she went to the temple to pray. Uh, The leaders uh, thought she was drunk. She had to press through that, you know. Bear with us as your leaders at times if we don't understand your situation. Not that we're thinking that you're drunk, but, you know, we're we're just human. And it took a little while. You know, you did get through and understand. You know, there she is. She's barren. She's burdened. She's broken. Yet she presses into God's presence and is ultimately vindicated and blessed. Hallelujah. The story has a happy ending. And then we read this amazing prayer In 1 Samuel 2, if you've got your Bibles there, we'll just read her theological reflections. Just want to encourage you to reflect on your life. I think there is so much for us as followers of Jesus to learn and glean by just meditating and reflecting on life and the circumstances we find ourselves in, not just sort of blasting through, but stepping back, take a little bit of space. Let's just think about this. What's going on? What's true? What's God doing? What do I know I can hold fast to? What's the rubbish that's coming into my life that I've got to process and filter out? What are the lies that I've heard recently that I just need to kill off? What are the fears that I need to throw down? This comes through reflection, reflecting on what's true, reflecting on what's true in God's word, of just drawing near to God. And Hannah here is reflecting, and she says in 1 Samuel 2, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies, because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly, Let not arrogance come from your mouth. I think she may have been thinking about the other wife at this moment while she was writing these things. The Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who are full 
have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to shale and he rises up, raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones. But the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. And then Elkanah, this is Hannah's husband, went home to Ramah. And the boy, Samuel, was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, the priest. Now I want to reflect just briefly on Hannah's prayer here. What did Hannah learn through this experience? I want to touch on that briefly. And then I want to rewind to something that gives me quite a challenge in this whole narrative. And you may have picked it up yourself as well. Okay, through this experience of, we don't know how many years she had to endure this sense of brokenness and barrenness. We don't know how long it went on for. But through this, she was pressing into the presence of God, going to the temple, bringing her prayers to God. And in that, she was learning about God. She was reflecting on her circumstances. And we, we hear here some of the things that she learnt about God. You know, verse 2. There is no rock like our God. She's learned something about God. God, you know, although my, circuit, my life is traumatic, my circumstances are you know, very unsteady and uncertain and painful, very painful. But you, God, are my rock. I can build on this. I can hold fast to this. She's learned something about God. She's learned, as you read through these verses, the fact that God brings out Strength from our weakness. He brings out transformation. He's able to rise those who are down and lift them up. He's able to take those who are high and haughty and bring them low. And it's God that does that. You know, we read in uh, uh, verse 6 that it's, it's the Lord who kills and brings to life. He brings down and he raises up. He's a sovereign God. You know, he does what he wants. He does and all of these things, our status and our circumstances in God, are within his remit because he is a sovereign God who is in control. And Hannah is reflecting these things in this prayer. You know, whoever you think you are, you have to remember that you are who you are and where you are because of God, not because of your own efforts and achievements, not because you've been a good Christian and you've been reading your Bible and helping old ladies across the road. You know, all we have, we, a man can only have what he's given him from heaven. And uh, Hannah's recognized this. She's saying, look, hey, you know, whatever is going on here, however I've prayed, whatever the circumstances of my life, God is a rock, and he raises up and he brings down. And I've learned something about the sovereignty of God in this experience. And these are beautiful reflections. This is all wonderful stuff. And we can continue to unpack that together. God loves to give us happy endings. Hallelujah. But I have a challenge. <laughs> Something challenges me in these verses. Does anybody just 
sort of stumble a bit as you're reading through the first chapter of 1 Samuel. A little bit where you sort of go, oh, ouch, what's going on here? 1 Samuel chapter 1, 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 5. Yeah, to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, although the Lord had closed her womb. Why was Hannah barren? Why was she facing the fact that her husband had taken another wife? Why was she facing the fact that this other wife then made her life a misery? Why was she facing embarrassment of being misunderstood by her religious leaders? Because God had made her barren and closed her womb. Is it just me? (laughs) Or is that a little bit of a challenge? Maybe you're all okay with that. I find it a bit of a challenge. Why would God do such a thing? Why would, why would God put Hannah through that experience? Now, praise God, Hannah pressed through to a happy ending. Praise God, Hannah did not allow this bitter experience to separate her from God. Yeah? She endured all sorts of trauma and hardship and pressed through to a deeper revelation of who God was, a vindication, you know, a beautiful outcome. God put her through that. So, I want to talk about the troubles that we face in this world and see how we can unpack this for ourselves. We're going to face three different types of trouble the Bible talks to us about. Hannah was facing her troubles here. You're going to face troubles. Jesus cheerfully reminds us of that. Hooray! You're going to face troubles of all kinds. That's not the gospel I really wanted, Jesus, but I guess that's the one I'm going to have to work with. I wanted the gospel that said, everything is going to be great. You don't have to worry about anything. All your bills will be paid, and you'll never get sick, and it'll be wonderful, wonderful. No one will ever let you down. You'll never fail. You'll never make any mistakes. You'll always get promoted. Everybody's going to love you and think you're great. That's the gospel I want, Jesus. Not the, hey, you're going to face troubles of every kind. Yeah, that's great. That's not the gospel I want, but we do. We face troubles, trials of many kinds, and we've got to learn from Hannah's example here. Okay, let's look at the different types of trouble. I've got some uh, things I've thrown up on a uh, PowerPoint slide, which hopefully will come up here. First of all, we're going to face the discipline of God. Okay? Now, discipline can be understood in two different ways. It can be understood in a sense of uh, punishment. You know, uh, so I was in a, a meeting last week, and someone was talking about the, the smacks of God <laughs> when we're you know, straying off the path a little bit, and God gives us a bit of a smack, get us back on. I like to think of discipline... More in the sense of uh, uh, a soldier or an athlete. God is training us, putting us through a, a sort of a form of discipline. I had a career in the military, and when I turned up on the first day, I was not in great shape. That, looking at me now, may not come as a huge surprise to you, but I had to endure all sorts of discipline <laughs> to get myself into shape. Okay, And God disciplines us. Where does discipline come from? It comes from the Lord. You're thinking, why am I going through this? It's because God's trying to train you, trying to teach you something. God is going to put you through experiences that are going to train you. What can discipline be the result of? It can be the result of us being disobedient, not necessarily willingly disobedient. You know, 
Our, my children, when they misbehave, sometimes they're doing it very, very willfully. A lot of the time, it's just they don't know. I've got to train them. I've got to teach them to go in the way of the Lord. I have to put them back on the right path. And so we can be sometimes living unwittingly in a way that's not actually obedient to God. And God wants to discipline us and uh, help us to live on the pathway of obedience because that, he knows, will be best for us. So how do we know that we're facing discipline? It's proportionate to the crime, okay? It's proportionate to the crime. You know, God is going to uh, not sort of uh, crush us. What's the right response? We repent of our selfish ways. We repent of trying to take our own pathway. We say, no, God, your ways are best. You only have the best for me. You're not a killjoy. You're not just going out to try and make my life a misery. You're actually trying to lead me into a life of wonder. And if I'm obedient to you, I will receive that reward. And so I'm going to repent and turn away from trying to do things my way and put my trust in you. I'm no longer going to think, you know, I can do this myself or I don't need you. I'm going to find another way to resolve this. I'm going to submit myself to your discipline and I'm going to repent. So what don't we do? When God is disciplining us, us, we don't make light of it. It's a serious business. God is trying to train us, conform us. He's trying to steer us away from attitudes and behaviors that ultimately will damage us. And what is God saying when he's disciplining us? He's saying, well, you're my son, you're my daughter. I love you. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't bother. If I didn't care about you, I'd just let you get on. Do what you want. All right. But because I care about you... I'm going to discipline you. This is one of the types of troubles that we face in life because no one enjoys discipline at the time, the Bible tells us. And what does it end up with? It ends up with this us growing into an appropriately mature, holy fear of God. You know, God, you are wonderful. God, you're great. Your ways are better than mine. Your thoughts are higher than mine. Yeah? Who am I to think that I would know best how to run my life? God, you're the one who knows how to run my life. And that's the fruit of godly discipline. So that's one of the types of troubles that we can face in life. Second type of trouble is temptation. Where does temptation come from? It only comes from the devil. It doesn't come from God. Don't say God's tempting me. God doesn't do that. All right? Temptation comes from the devil. This is the second type of trouble that we can face in our life. What could it be the result of? It can be the result of pride. It can be the result of our exposure, trying to prove who we are and what we can do. We don't need God, you know. The psalmist says, what is man that you are mindful of him? The man says, who is God? I know better than him. <laughs> you know, I can do it myself. And that can result in pride. And then the devil comes along and tempts us and we can be drawn away. Okay, how do we discern this? It, we discern it because it is leading us away. How do you know when you're being tempted? It is leading you away. It's leading you away from people you trust who can speak a better word into your life. It's leading you away from the Christian community. Let's see what the devil just wants to separate. That's all he wants to do. Christ wants, God wants one new man in Christ. He wants a beautiful he strive for unity of the Holy Spirit. He wants to draw us together. He wants to build a beautiful community. What does the devil want to do? He wants to separate us out. Put us, you know, opposing each other. You know, and I don't trust these people. I don't trust them, so I, I, I look after myself. Who else can I trust in this world? I'm going to look after myself. It's the devil leading you astray. Can he, can, he, can he pick you off from the herd? That's it. Come over here. Come on. Come on. Come over here. It's all right. Yeah. Oh, good. I've got you away from... I've led you astray now. 
Gotcha. What's the, re- the right response? We resist. We resist temptation. We resist the devil. Jesus was tempted in every way. Yeah? He went through this. And if we resist the devil, he will flee. It's a promise. You're never going to face a temptation that you cannot endure. It's a promise. Yeah? When we say, oh, I couldn't help it. Well, it's just, it's just not true. It's just ridiculous, you know? We've been set free from sin in our life. Sin is no longer our master. There was a day when you had no choice. You just had to do what sin told you. Go over here. All right, okay. Go over here. Okay, I'll do what you say. Because sin is my master. Well, sin is no longer your master. Hallelujah. Yeah? We are slaves to righteousness. We have to go where righteousness leads us. Not because of our righteous efforts, but because of the righteous efforts of Jesus. It will lead us to eternal union with God. That's our destiny if we put our trust in God and put our trust in the righteousness of Jesus and don't trust in our own righteousness. What do we not do? Don't fall into temptation. Okay. What is God saying? Our flesh is weak. Right? Don't trust in your own sort of will and abilities. Trust in God who's able to sustain us. Yeah? Be suspicious of your own flesh. Be suspicious of your own heart. Test it all the time. Test it against the word of God. Test it in accountable relationships. Test it in the community of God saying, is this the right thing? Should I be doing this? And everybody's, everybody's going, no! Well then, you know, you have to be very clear about continuing on that pathway. And thinking, no, actually, no, this is the call of God and I've got to do that. And people say, well, we'll respect that if you've got faith for that and so on and so forth. But if they're saying, no, you're going to hurt yourself if you do that. Be a little bit suspicious of your own motives and flesh. And what does temptation end with? Sin or victory. There's no middle ground. Yeah? You either give in to temptation and you sin, or you resist temptation and you know victory. Hallelujah. So, one type of trouble that we can face is the discipline that comes from God. One type of trouble we can face is the temptation that comes from the devil. The the third type of trouble, and the one I just want to dwell on for a moment in terms of an application for us, is tests and trials. We're going to face tests and trials of every kind. And these tests and trials can come from all directions. You know, for Hannah, her trial, everything she endured, I mean, it's incredible. It came from God. It didn't come from her, it didn't come from her husband, it didn't come from Satan, it came from God. God closed the womb. And she recognized that. She said, well, that's what God did. God brings the high, takes them low. Takes the low, brings them high. God did that. Tests and trials can come from Satan. He can be out there. We can read about all these things. Tests and trials can come just from trying to live in this world. It's a real test for my kids to grow up in this world because the landscape has changed since I was a kid. It's changed in massive ways. The moral landscape, the ethical landscape, is very different today than it was when I was a teenager. When I was a teenager, in general, society agreed with my moral and ethical code as a Christian. But today, it doesn't. In fact, my moral and ethical code will be deemed abhorrent, illegal, 
And in my super-tolerant society, I become ultra-persecuted. It's amazing, isn't it? There's all sorts of tests and trials out there in the world. What is it the result of? It's the result of following God. You can avoid trials and tests of every kind by avoiding following God. But Jesus said, the minute you follow God, you're going to face trials of every kind. Okay? So if you, are, if you are here saying, I am a follower of Jesus, you will face trials. Okay? That's it. I'd like to soften the blow. Yeah? How do we discern this? We discern it because it, it builds faith in us. It builds in us. We can discern, no, hang on, you know, this is a trial and I'm pressing through here, I'm going to overcome. And I can discern this because I am growing in my sense of dependency in God. I've got more faith today than I did yesterday. You know, I've got, I'm able to trust God today in a way that I couldn't yesterday because I'm enduring this trial and overcoming it. And God is helping me in this. And I'm learning, you know, hang on, if I trust God, he will help me come through this. And so my faith is being proved and demonstrated. So the right response to tests and trials is to persevere. Hannah, what a picture to us. She didn't get bitter. She didn't say, who is this God? She pressed closer and closer into the holy place. She said, I've got to get closer to you, God. I don't understand this. I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know anything else other than to press closer to you and trust you in this. She persevered. We don't shrink back. God is saying that we're his. That's what he's saying. You know, Because you are following him, because you are his, that's why you're facing the trials in this world. And what does it end with? It ends with death <laughs> and glory. It ends with death. Trials you're going to face to the very ends of your life. You didn't come to a point where you sort of, you, you sort of go up the levels on the, uh, on the computer game and you finally sort of reach the top level. I'm untouchable now. No trials for me. I can just glide through life. No. It'll go right the way through to the end of your days. You'll face trials of every kind. And then you will receive glory. What Hannah shows us in her response to trials of every kind is that God is to be trusted. And when I was a child, my parents used to send me to a Sunday school. My parents were not believers. I just think they wanted to get me out of the house. And on a Sunday morning, that was the only thing that was happening. And we used to learn songs. And I learned a song on my uh, trips to Sunday school at this little Baptist church on Poverty Road in Orpington. And it's a song we never sing anymore. Um, some of you might remember it. Trust and obey. Okay? Because there really is <laughs> no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Okay? <laughs> it's such a simple song. But I tell you, I cannot think of a more succinct and profound presentation of the gospel. You want to know what it means to find rest in God, peace in Jesus. Trust him and obey him. And Hannah is a model to us of what it means to trust God in trial. God wants to bring you to a place of trust. 
Okay, and this is the maturity curve. This is the maturity journey that we go on as Christians. Okay, and that is, are we allowing circumstances to cause us to evaluate whether we trust God? So something happens, life's going well, something happens bad, it's not a happy ending, and we're then forced to think, well, do I still trust God? And some Christians who are sort of working their way through the maturity curve, it's almost like they're holding God to ransom with every event in their lives. Oh, there you go. We can't trust God now. How can I trust God if this has happened? And what Hannah's demonstrating is the journey that we're on, the maturity curve that we're on, when we get to the point of saying, you know what, I trust God whatever happens. He is worthy of my trust. He is trustworthy. I trust him, whatever. So you can throw anything at me. You can throw any circumstances at me, however perplexing. You know, Hannah, God closed her womb. How deep the despair and trauma for a barren woman. Yeah? She trusts God. And that's where God wants to get us. And that's why he will throw trials and tests of every kind in our way. He wants to get us to a point of saying, you know, God, you throw it all at me. It's not going to change anything. All right? It's a dangerous thing to say. I was rehearsing this with my wife coming home in the car at, uh, at half past one from Stansted Airport, having just been in Poland. And uh, I said, you know, I'm nervous about saying this because there are some things, there are some tests and trials that God would send my way that I know would shake me. You know, I'm not tef- testing providence here or anything. I'm just being honest. You know, where am I? You know, Job took everything taken away. Job had everything taken away. I still trust you, God. I don't understand it. I still trust you. Is God worthy of our trust? Some stories do not have a happy ending. All right? That's what I want to say. Now, some of you are going through trials here today, and we're going to pray for you in a moment. And we're going to pray that there's there's going to be a happy ending. There's going to be a joyful outcome for you. You're facing a trial. You think, I'm going through this trial. Well, so we're going to pray with you and say, well, let's pray that there's going to be a beautiful outcome. Like Hannah, there was a beautiful outcome. And you can say, oh, God, you're the one to be trusted. So, there are some stories in this room where there has not been a happy ending. And that is, that is the story of human endeavor. Yeah? So I'm with uh, my friends in Poland. They've been out there for nine years sacrificially looking to open up a gospel community in the middle of a graceless society. And they took their four beautiful daughters out when they were very, very young and put them in the Polish school system. And it was very, very challenging for the Lord. Whoever gives up anything, family, wealth, for me, they will receive back tenfold. Yeah? And they prayed for a son. And God gave them a son. And five months later, their son died. That is not a happy ending. <laughs> that is not a happy ending. It doesn't matter how many times you say, oh, you know, he's with the Lord. And oh, that is a wound that will never heal. There are people in this room who've got wounds that are never going to heal. Jacob wrestled with God and he was left with a limp. And there are people in this room that are going to limp for the rest of their lives. Because you've got stories that don't have a happy ending. When you've faced abuse, when you've faced failure on the part of others, when you've faced failure on your own part and regrets that you can't forgive yourself for, even though you know God forgives you, but you live with this wound because there are consequences of your behavior that would never be able to be corrected. Things that have happened that you can't put it right. 
It's done. It's a one-way ratchet. The door's closed behind you now. You can't go back. It's happened. There are trials of life that don't have a happy ending like Hannah. And what God is wanting to do to you and for you is saying, you've got to, you've got to press into me. Who else can you turn to? Where else can you go? You can respond with bitterness. You can respond with dismay and put a distance and say, well, God, if that's what you're really like, right, what God wants is for you to persevere and find that he's the only one who can be trusted, even when there's not a happy ending. He wants you to press into his truth. He wants you to press into his presence. He wants to press into another song. We have Hannah's song. We have another beautiful song. It's the song of Mary, singing of the one who is to come, the son she is to bring into the world, who is going to be a better prophet, who's going to be a better priest, whose priesthood will never end, who's going to be a better king, who will be the king of kings and rule forever. And he said, I want you to come and be with me. He is our happy ending. Jesus is our happy ending. You know, for all of this, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured trials that we will never face. So there are people here today who are facing trials. We can pray for them and there'll be a happy ending. There are others here today. You're facing or have faced trials and in this life, you're never going to have a happy ending. It's done now. But all of that sorrow, all of that grief, all of that pain is one day going to be swallowed up in the most joyful ending of all. When you see your king face to face and he wipes the tears from your eyes. He said, come and be with me. Come and be with me. There's no sorrow. There's no suffering. There's no tears here. This is your happy ending. Okay, Death is swallowed up with victory. That which is perishable is going to be swallowed up with that which is imperishable. And this is the promise that we trust. This is the God into whom we press. Yeah, God is going to be our all in all and bring all these things to himself. And you have the ending of all endings, of all joy and all contentment and all fulfillment. And the trials of this world are momentary and fleeting by comparison to all that lies ahead of us. Amen? So this is an essay in trust. Hannah teaches us what it means to trust God in the face of quite horrific circumstances, but she had a happy ending. We want to pray for some today who are facing trials that you'll have a happy ending. But I want to recognize that that's not the full story, and some of us have got episodes in our life that we're never going to be able to close off. You're going to live with those, limp with those to the end of your days, and what we want to encourage you to do is to press in, in trust to God, because you know there is a bigger joy ahead of us. Yeah, Don't let this separate you from God. Compel it to press you into God. If you just bow our heads in prayer, if the worship team want to come and there'll be a, a ministry team. Over on my right over here, if you would like us to pray with you individually in a moment. But let's just pray 
Lord God, thank you for this astonishing narrative, Lord. Thank you for this amazing woman. Thank you for Hannah, Lord, who endured so much and acknowledged that it was your sovereign way in her life, that you had brought this upon her. And her response was to press into you. It didn't cause her to buckle or, or separate herself from you or have a bitter heart. It taught her deep truths about your sovereign nature. It taught her deep truths that you're the rock upon which to build her life. It taught her deep truths that you're the one who, who gives and takes. You're the one to be trusted. There's no one else in this world. Who else can we turn to? We turn to you, Jesus. I just want to pray now for those in this room who are enduring trials, Lord. Uh, it's tough, painful, don't understand it. Lord, we want to press into you. You can have it all, Lord. We surrender to you. We're going to press into you in the midst of our trial. And we're going to pray, Lord, that we will have a blessed outcome like Hannah. And Lord, I just want to pray for those here who are saying, Morris, there was no happy ending in that story in my life, in that episode. There was no happy ending. Lord God, we want to draw near tenderly to our dear friends who have suffered abuse, suffered loss, suffered inexplicable events that can't be corrected. There's not a, a happy ending in this life. It can't be put right. Lord, we just want to remind each other that you set before us a destiny. You set before us a joy. You set before us a peace. You set before us a homecoming. You set before us a righting of all wrongs, a, a vindicating of heaven that nothing will take from us. You set before us an inheritance that will never perish or spoil or fade. You set before us something wonderful and beautiful, a blessing at your every blessing at your right hand side. Lord, and for the sake of the cross, for the sake of Christ, who is our happy, our happy ending. He is our joy of joys. He is our ultimate destiny. Lord, will you give us the grace to endure the bitterness and disappointment of events in this world? Lord, because we trust you. We draw close to you. Today, I just want to pray, Lord, anybody who is in those circumstances would just take one step closer to you and understand the release of trusting you in increasing measure however events may conspire Holy Spirit come I pray minister to our hearts minister to brokenness minister to loss in the way that only heaven can we pray for that in Jesus name Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.